Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 9.49 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the last day of August, 2022. First day of school for my children's. That's right. Had to get all their school supplies, clothes. I mean, my God almighty. Had to figure out where the hell their schools were. Because, you know, I'm new to the region. Figure out who their teachers were. Oh, you got to do all the stuff when you're a parent, man. You got to do like all the stuff. And it's totally worth it. If you're thinking about not having kids, stop. Stop. Have kids. Have kids. Have kids and be aware that this is episode 608 of Bitcoin. And I got one. I got a good thread here from Fiat Currency Disrespector, a.k.a. at Book of Nick. The picture on each one of these threads is the same. Or not thread, but each one of these tweets in this thread is the same. And it is a picture of Matt Damon in the movie Goodwill Hunting when he's at the bar. And if you don't know the scene that I'm talking about and you've seen the movie, you'll get it here in a second. If you don't get it after I read this, then that means you haven't seen Goodwill Hunting. Highly recommended, pretty good flick, made Matt Damon and well made his career honestly uh him and that other dude ben affleck of course that's your contention you're a 2017 bull run pleb you just got finished reading some essays on blockchain technology antonopolis probably you're going to be convinced of that until next month when you get to say fadine amis then you're going to be talking about how the Rhystones of Yap played an important role in the history of monetary scarcity and collective consensus of ownership. That's going to last until next year. Then you're going to be in here regurgitating Michael Saylor talking about, you know, how Bitcoin is a swarm of cyber hornets serving the goddess of wisdom, feeding on the fire of truth, exponentially growing ever smarter. Well, as a matter of fact, I won't because Saylor dramatically underestimates the impact of uh, Saylor dramatically underestimates the impact of megapolitics over the ability of people to impose their will on others. You got that from The Sovereign Individual, page 65. Yeah, I read that one too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us or do you have any thoughts of your own in this matter? Or is that your thing? You come into a bar, read some obscure passage, and then you pretend you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Embarrass my friend? See, the sad thing about a guy like you is that in about 10 years, you're going to start doing some thinking of your own and you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you over leveraged 150 grand into shit coins and got wrecked trying to get a fucking stack you could have got for $1.50 on Mt. Gox in 2011. <laughs> yes. 
If you don't recognize the scene, then you haven't seen the movie. You got to see the movie, man. It honestly is worth it. There's a couple of people that I know that hate that movie, and I, I honestly don't know why. It's pretty good. So if you get a chance, sit down, watch Goodwill Hunting, and have fun when you recognize the scene uh, that I just basically uh, laid out for you. Now, Nidig. New York Digital Investment Group announces lightning accelerator project called In Wolf's Clothing. Craig Deutsch is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. On August 26, 2022, Ross Stevens, CEO of Stone Ridge Holdings Group and executive director of the New York Digital Investment Group, otherwise known as NYDIG, made an impromptu appearance at BitBlock Boom in Austin, Texas for a special announcement. Stevens has long been a proponent of Bitcoin through his Stone Ridge shareholder letter, his co-written article on impossible things before breakfast, participation in the MicroStrategy corporate strategy program, and interview with famous Bitcoin proponent Michael Saylor. Quote, I want to live in a world of rules, not governed by rulers. End quote, Ross Stevens. Nidig has made numerous investments and loans in the Bitcoin industry and notably had 26,200 miners return to them to pay off some debts. The company also recently made headlines when partnering with the New York Yankees to allow their employees to convert their salaries into Bitcoin. Unsurprisingly, Stephen shared what many Bitcoiners believe, quote, the technology underlying shitcoins is brittle and assured the audience that his companies will always stay Bitcoin. Nice. From his paper with Alan Farrington, he shared his underlying mission, quote, the concept of decentralized finance is powerful, noble, and worthy of a lifetime of focused effort, end quote. Speaking from the Bitcoin Commons, Stevens shared that Nidig will launch a lightning accelerator project. Quote, the reality is that this year, the progress in Bitcoin and Lightning is staggering. Month after month after month, the nodes on Lightning are growing, end quote. The accelerator is geared toward individual founders and small teams, developers working on Lightning, Tarot, and Covenants, and pre-seed, seed, Series A companies. Transportation and lodging will be provided for participants from anywhere in the world. The program will be run in eight-week cohorts. There will be eight to 12 teams per cohort, world-class mentors with office hours. The cohorts will be exclusively non-remote. Ladies and gentlemen, that means that they're going to physically be present on the premises instead of this whole remote bullshit, which I am now 100% sick of. Just saying. There will be significant seed capital for each team with already recruited investors and full-time in-house expertise. This news isn't necessarily surprising, but the timing during the bear market created an extraordinary buzz and excitement not felt since the 2021 bull run. It will be interesting to see how this news will impact the Bitcoin price and widespread adoption during a time when positive news reports seem few and far between. Yeah, no shit. Stevens closed speech. Uh, closed his speech with, we're coming for you, Fiat. Let's work tirelessly to make finance decentralized. Let's work tirelessly to make money decentralized. So people who are interested in taking part of this program can apply at apply at wolfnyc.com. That is apply at wolfnyc.com. 
all one word, dot com. So if you guys are interested in becoming part of a lightning accelerator, uh, there's your chance. It's right before you. Take the brass ring, swing out, swing wide, grab that ring and go. I'm telling you, man, chance to do this is few and far between, especially in the depths of a bear market. Although this is exactly when she, everybody should be doing this shit. Honestly, this is the time. This is the greatest time to be doing this kind of thing. So thank God for Stevens and his crew. All right, now, Argentina. Let's get into this one. Argentinian province allows residents to pay taxes in USDT, right? So no, it's not about Bitcoin. Yes, it is about Tether. Let's see what this actually might mean from Dimitar Drondrozrov, and I butchered his name. Sorry, crypto potato coming at you. The authorities of the Mendoza province reportedly enabled citizens to pay government fees and taxes in cryptocurrencies. The region's tax administration described the move as the strategic objective of modernization and innovation, which could give taxpayers different means to comply with their tax obligations. Contrary to Mendoza's pro-crypto stance, Argentina's central bank is not so much in favor of the industry. Earlier this year, it banned domestic financial institutions from facilitating digital asset services. According to a local report, settling taxes in cryptocurrencies instead of pesos became possible in one of the largest provinces in Argentina, and that would be Mendoza. Initially, the region's authorities will accept payments in Tether, or USDT, while at a later stage, it plans to add more digital assets as an option. Taxpayers can use popular crypto wallets such as Binance, Wenbit, Bitso, Ripio, Bybit, and Lemon Cash. And I've never heard of Lemon Cash. In April this year, the lawmakers of Buenos Aires also considered something similar. Mayor Horacio Rodriguez Letera, or no, Larita, stated that the capital aims to digitize its administration process, adding that blockchain technology will play a key role. He also hinted that citizens might get a chance to pay their taxes in cryptocurrencies in the very near future, quote, and we're going to work to facilitate the payment of taxes. The ninth measure of this plan, together with the leading companies, we are working so that those who wish can pay their taxes in cryptocurrencies, end quote. It is worth noting, that the Central Bank of the Argentine Republic, or BRCA, BC, no, BCRA, is not so supportive of the digital asset sector. Not long ago, it prohibited local banks from getting offering a cryptocurrency services to their clients. Quote, the measure ordered by the board of directors of the BCRA seeks to mitigate the risks associated with operations of these assets that could be generated for users of financial services and the financial system as a whole, the entity stated. All right, so what are we seeing? We're seeing regionalism is what we're starting to see. And we're starting to see it in in many, many countries all at once, whether South America, Central America, Africa, it, it, it's just, everything's breaking loose. Everything seems to be breaking loose. I, I think we're demonstrating the fact that governments, that it's possible that governments can get so large that they become completely blinded to what the citizenry actually needs. So think of this. Think of a human. 
most of the time you notice an ant on the sidewalk, right? You'll see it. You'll see the ant, even though that the ant is very much tiny, more or rather more tiny than, uh, than you would think. And you'd be able to see it given your size as a five and a half, six, six and a half foot person, you know, that's the, there's a, a large amount of separation of space between those two sizes. However, if the human grows to be 16 feet, 25 feet, which is impossible, we're talking about giants. We're talking about like, let's think about humans as giants at this point. At one point, you're not gonna be able to see the ants. It won't be possible for you to actually see what you're stepping on, right? And I think that that's what's happened to governments to the point that the citizenry are just starting to say, I, I'm sorry, Central Bank of Argentina. We're just going to go ahead and do this anyway. I, you know, we, we don't know what comes, but we need this here. We need this right now. And I'm, I hate it that it's, that it's Tether, but it's just, it's a shit coin. What are you going to do? Thank God it's not one of the worst shit coins imaginable. At least Tether's been around. At least it has like, you know, has demonstrated that it has some possible utility. What I'm getting at, the more important landscape here is that you're starting to see sections of whole countries just not do what their central bank wants them to do, to not partake in what their government wants them to partake in. Now, it's not completely broken down, but you're starting to see the rips, you're starting to see the gaps, and you're starting to see the cracks form. And the best way to avoid the deluge of a flood that comes from the breaking of a dam is to recognize the cracks in the dam and go to high ground. Go to high ground means learn how to grow your own food. Get out of the cities. (laughs) You You see how this works? That's high ground. You don't want to be in the lowlands, like the massive cities. You don't want to be there. You want to get up to the high ground so that when the dam finally does break, and I think we're going to see it well within our lifetimes, you won't be in the middle of the floodwaters. All right? Just saying. What can you do for Bitcoin? Let's find out what Stephen Levera thinks we can do for Bitcoin from BitcoinMagazine.com. We're living through an era of immense change and the money is broken. But on the bright side, we have this monetary technology called Bitcoin. On the downside, a lot of people don't understand the point of Bitcoin because they're trapped in fiat mindsets. Consider the short gif above. Are Bitcoiners like this man uselessly pushing the train? Is it all just happening regardless of what we do? Is Bitcoin inevitable? Sometimes the way people talk about it on Bitcoin Twitter is such that Bitcoin is inevitable. And this raises an interesting question. Is it? In what sense? Could we all just sit back and do nothing? No, not exactly. Bitcoin still needs things to sustain itself as a system. Code review and maintenance, miners securing the system, users and hodlers giving it value. Perhaps in some aggregate sense, Bitcoin is not quite inevitable, but it is extremely likely to win based on certain qualities like scarcity, neutrality, openness, etc., etc. But whether Bitcoin is inevitable or not, it is very much reliant on real people who do the things that sustain the system. So what can you do? You can drive forward adoption of technological advancement in and around Bitcoin. You don't have to be a developer to contribute either. You can 
test, review, and provide feedback on Bitcoin apps. Many have a community of developers and users in Telegram chats or Mattermost servers. You can organize or contribute to your local Bitcoin meetup, maybe invest in Bitcoin companies or work in them, do foreign language translation of influential Bitcoin content. I actually think that's one of the most important ones we can do right now, just saying. Fund Bitcoin development and review. Get published in non-Bitcoin media to spread the word outside of Bitcoin circles. Don't underestimate the power of normalizing Bitcoin use among your friends. As a quick example, if you were out at dinner with friends, family, and one person picks up the bill paying in fiat, you could offer to set them up on Moon, Breeze, or Phoenix wallet and repay them over Lightning. There's a chance that over time, this accumulation of sats helps trigger Bitcoin greed in that person. In the best case, you may create a new Bitcoin hodler or stacker. Or do you have friends and families overseas who you send money to? Don't be afraid to use Bitcoin to do it and let them sell that Bitcoin for cash in their local markets if that's what they need. There's a good chance they can sell Bitcoin for a slight premium in their local markets, or they could use voucher sites such as bitrefill.com to indirectly spend Bitcoin on what they need. Another idea is to find a local cafe or bar where you regularly host your Bitcoin meetup and offer for it to take Bitcoin payments. If you're bringing it revenue in terms of paying customers, it will be more inclined to give you the time of day. Remember that Breeze has a built-in point-of-sale mode that shopkeepers can easily install and use as an app on their phone or tablet. Or, of course, for larger setups, they could use the likes of OpenNode or IBEX Lightning Pay Solutions. For non-custodial setups, there are, if they are tech-savvy, you could use and set up BTC Pay Server for them. But again, that's... That's fairly tech savvy. We're just so, so very early in terms of Bitcoin use. I understand that I sound like a broken record in saying this, but it really is true in terms of how many users there are globally, especially if we're talking about non-custodial use. The count of UTXOs as I write this in August of 2022 is somewhere around 85 million. This is effectively an upper bound of non-custodial Bitcoin users. Of course, there will be some custodial users who uh, whose IOU coins are represented by some platform, and there will be users who have many UTXOs, so the real count of unique Bitcoin on-chain users will be far less than 85 million in a world of almost 8 billion people. For this reason, it can be difficult to get traction in Bitcoin payments as very few people globally even have Bitcoin to make payments with. But this is also an opportunity to grow the scene and build the peer-to-peer -peer economy of Bitcoin users. Coming back to that idea of Bitcoin's inevitability, public attitudes to Bitcoin do matter for Bitcoiners. While Bitcoin, the project, may live on, individual people may suffer if they are singled out by the government. Additionally, the many people who are suffering high inflation or financial censorship today would continue to suffer if Bitcoin is not reasonably available. One interesting historical parallel may be in the way that ideas changed history, enabling the Industrial Re Revolution. In her Bourgeois Equality series, Deidre McCloskey argues that it was ideas and liberal notions of equality and dignity that did this. Cultural attitudes toward merchants and commerce shifted, and this in turn enabled a massive rise in human prosperity and living standards over the past few hundred years. 
Big ideas can really move the needle in the Bitcoin community's idea, digital sound money, is one of the biggest. Or consider another analogy. If nuclear power technology is criminalized, then humanity is less able to gain the benefit of nuclear power. And remember that nuclear power requires an ecosystem of engineering talent to sustain it as well. Likewise, Bitcoin requires humans to sustain it and advance it. So ideas and culture really do change the world, and you can contribute to Bitcoin without necessarily being a developer. So let us all go forth and push the train. All right, so that's the end of Stephen Levera's bit. Um, what he says here about the, this bullet point list of you can, what you can do, like organize and contribute to your local Bitcoin meetup, that's important. Invest in Bitcoin companies and work in them or work in them, great. The do, the do foreign language translation of influential Bitcoin content. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that one. Right now, today, as of today, given what I've seen and all the shit that's going on, I wholeheartedly believe that that one is the most important one that you can do. If you know how to translate from English into a different language, and you want something to do to contribute to Bitcoin, do that. If you're an Italian and you speak, you, you speak and read and can write English very well, then please, by all means, take that, the English, the, the, the English articles, there, of which there are hundreds, thousands at this point, and hundreds of those thousands are really good. Really, if you, if you need to figure out which ones to do, go to Guy Swan's website and pick any of the ones that he's done. He's, he's, what I really like about Guy Swan is his ability to reach in and pull out some of the most influential pieces. Take those and translate those into the written word. Also, if you have the ability to record your voice and you don't mind Recording your voice, a lot of people do. A lot of people don't want to go back and listen to their own voice. I get it. But if you can stomach it, if you can do it, then record the audio version in Italian or Swahili or Mandarin or Japanese or Korean, whatever, whatever it is. We, there, I, I believe that there's a whole, there's still a whole host of things that can be translated just into Spanish. Spanish is one of the most spoken languages on the planet. English, Spanish. I'm telling you, man, between those two languages, you've got almost the entire world that you can speak to. So if you're, if you're Hispanic at all, and you can translate well the ideas from English into Espanol, then please do so. And also consider recording your voice. And we'll figure out a way to get those recordings out there. I don't know, maybe hit me up and say, hey, can you put this translation on your podcast? I will figure out a way to do it. So hit me up and let's get the translations rolling, okay? Now, Coinbase, in an embarrassing move of obvious chicanery, has launched a voter registration tool ahead of November elections. And you can guess which way that they're going to swing. This is Decrypt. And Matt DeSalvo is writing this one. 
Coinbase launched a voter registration tool and crypto policy education initiative. Quote, the initiative will be rolling out resources to help users educate themselves on crypto issues, their elected members' positions, and how to get involved in the conversations the company told Decrypt. Coinbase's chief policy officer, Faryar Shazard, said in a blog post that this year's elections will be, oh God, the most important in crypto's history. Elections are always the most important in history. Quote, the leaders we elect in November will be making key decisions about how crypto, blockchain, and Web3 are regulated, he wrote. We've heard loud and clear from our customers that they want to get involved in these debates and are looking for trusted resources, tools, and support to help them be heard. End quote. Coinbase controversially announced an apolitical culture at its San Francisco offices just two years ago in 2020 when protests rocked the U.S. following the killing of George Floyd. Staff at Coinbase had asked CEO Brian Armstrong for his views on the Black Lives Matter movement, but instead of taking a stance, he called for a mission-focused company. 5% of employees then took an exit package and left the firm. A year later, the company's chief legal officer told Decrypt that the no-politics mandate was a success. Today's blog post added... Well, we don't regularly talk about politics here at Coinbase, but we've always said that we will engage in the political process at moments when it relates to our mission of increasing economic freedom in the world. Yeah, so it sounds to me like they're just going to turn into a lobby or they, they're going to set up their own lobbying firm for, you know, for Coinbase. Is it good for Bitcoin? No. Well, no, it's not bad for Bitcoin because Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. But they're going to be pushing shit coins. They're not going to be put, Coinbase doesn't like Bitcoin. I, don't, I, I still don't understand why people don't get this, but they don't. They don't like Bitcoin because they know they can't control any aspect of it. Even though it made them rich, but what it facilitated for them was the ability to figure out ways to control that which they can control because apparently the human spirit is never, ever, 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 ever going to be without that greed. So let's read the actual blog post from Coinbase themselves and see without interpretation what Faryar Shirzad is actually saying. Again, he's the chief policy officer from Coinbase. And here it is entitled, Why We're Launching a Voter Registration and Education Initiative. Today, Coinbase launched a voter registration tool as part of a broader education initiative to give the crypto community tools to participate in the critical policy discussions happening across the United States. We've heard loud and clear from our customers that they want to get involved in these debates and are looking for trusted resources, tools, and support to help them be heard. So why now? Well, today, more than ever, crypto and Web3 are cemented as topics of public interest and the political debate. Political candidates are talking about them. The public is interested in them, and the crypto community wants to help shape them. This is especially true as we approach the 2022 midterm elections in the United States, where nearly one in four, four households, 24% to be exact, own cryptocurrencies, according to a 2022 morning consult report. We don't regularly talk about politics here at Coinbase, but we've always said that we will engage in the political process at moments when it relates to our mission of increasing economic freedom in the world. The 2022 U.S. midterms 
are one of those moments. Being informed and being engaged are mission critical for the future of crypto. Hmm. In the next few years, legislation and regulations will be developed that will help shape the direction of our industry for the coming decades. In this Congress alone, more than 50 bills have been introduced aiming to shape some aspect of the crypto regulatory landscape and policymakers are just getting started. Put simply, this year's U.S. midterm elections are the most important in crypto's history. The leaders we elect in November will be making key decisions about how crypto blockchain and Web3 are regulated. It is essential that our elected leaders understand the potential of crypto and support a policy framework that fosters continued innovation here in the United States and forward progress toward a future of economic freedom for everyone in the world. For our part... Coinbase will continue to be a partner to lawmakers and regulators as the conversations play out. Yeah, I'll bet you will. We've also heard from the crypto community and our customers that they want to understand how these ongoing debates will impact the future of crypto and they're eager for resources that help them engage in and shape these conversations. We know that two of the biggest barriers to participating in the political process are education on the issues and access to voting. Helping empower the crypto community by helping them overcome these barriers is at the heart of our voter registration and education program. We are eager to do our part by providing trusted resources for crypto voters on the issues, candidates, and political processes that will define crypto's future. With all this, we are calling on the crypto community to register and get involved this fall by learning about your candidates and the issues by finding opportunities to talk to representatives and candidates, including at town halls and candidate forums, and above all, by voting. Sensible and workable crypto regulations are critical for maintaining United States competitiveness and unlocking innovation. So engaging in the 2022 U.S. midterm elections gives everyone a chance to be an important part of the conversation on the future of crypto. Oh, 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 God, it hurts sometimes to read some of this stuff. This is 100% bullshit. They could not give a flying fuck about the political process except where it matters to Coinbase. That's all this is. This is a de facto launch of Coinbase's internal lobbying arm in Washington, D.C. That's what this is. If you see it for anything other than the, in, the launch of an internal lobbying arm of Coinbase solely for the benefit of Coinbase and nobody else, then you don't understand what was just said in the reading that I just gave you. This has nothing to do with getting to know your, your candidates and what the issues are. They don't give a fuck. The only issues they care about is how they can peddle their shit coins safely, take your money, not give you anything of value in return, and not go to jail and not get fined for it. That's what this is. They couldn't give two shits and a half about what inflation is doing to your pocketbook and whether some new jackass of the day can come in and stop what jackass of yesterday has done. That's not the point of any of this. Their registration tool is an in into your mind to make you think that they give a shit about you. They don't. This is all about Coinbase. This is all about their launch of their lobbying efforts in Washington, D.C. Let's run the numbers. 
CNBC futures and commodities. West Texas Intermediate is down almost a full point, down to $90.77 a barrel. Brent North Sea is down 2.65 or 2.65 points to $96.68. Natural gas on the rise to the tune of one and a quarter point to $9.16 per thousand. And gasoline is down 2.4% to $2.63 a gallon. You can thank the ravaging of the strategic petroleum reserves for that price because oil prices are not actually reflecting the decline in gas prices. Generally speaking, before we move on, just so you know, the price of oil dictates the price of gas, or at least that's the way it's been for a long time. However, the only thing people see because they're not looking at the stuff that, that, that Bitcoiners look at, like the macroeconomic landscape. They're more worried about going to the grocery store and how they're going to afford it. So one of the things, one of their metrics of the day is, what does gas cost when they're driving by the grocery store that has a gas station or just a standalone gas station? When they see the price come down, they don't understand that that gasoline price has come down not because oil prices have dropped. Because honestly, they're, they've been kind of stable. Yeah, they went up to 120 bucks at one point, but they haven't been that high in quite a while. And anything over 90 is still really fucking high. But what they see is $2.69 at the pump. You know, they're seeing instead of paying five bucks, they're paying 425. And they thank Brandon for doing that. Well, Brandon was able to do that because he completely eviscerated are strategic petroleum reserves. Those are supposed to be used in times of warfare or in times of economic calamity or in massive natural disasters that affect all of these things that affect the inside borders of the United States. Okay, and, and Alaska and, and Hawaii and you know maybe our 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 tributaries. But they're not supposed to be used for voting points. I don't like Brandon. I don't like any of them. You know that. But honestly, between this and, and here's the big question. Will the strategic petroleum reserves last long enough to get him the points he needs all the way to the voting booth when it opens and all the way through when it closes? If I had been Brandon, I would have waited because those strategic petroleum reserves are draining fast. And once we start restocking them, and that's going to have to happen, you're still going to be, we're probably still going to be sitting at plus $90 a barrel oil and your gas prices, it's going to be insane. I'm just saying, you're not supposed to use the strategic petroleum reserves to get points at the polls and lie to people about what gas really costs because all this did was introduce noise into the mechanism of the markets that are used to figure out what the price of shit should be. And by releasing the strategic petroleum reserves, that noise became a clusterfuck and nobody can see that it has been completely decoupled from the price of oil as it's being pulled out of the ground. If you understand that, then you'll understand what is to come 
when that flow stops. Let's move on. Agricultural futures. Let's do wheat up one and a half. Cotton is up one and a half. Everything else is either down or up slightly. And then we've got metals. Shiny metal rocks are all down, some more than others. Gold down half a point to 1727 bucks. Silver is down over two points to $17.89. Platinum is down oh, three quarters of a point. Copper is down 0.87%. And palladium is down just over a full point. Dow is down 0.1%. S&P down 0.07, a NASDAQ down 0.05, S&P mini down 0.16. What we're probably doing is waiting for the September FOMAC meeting to figure out what the Federal Reserve is actually going to do to interest rates versus what Jerome Powell said in Jackson Hole, Wyoming last week uh, or last weekend about the fact that he was going to be hawkish. He is going to they're probably going to raise rates. They're probably going to do it. Yeah, you're probably this and probably that. But until the FOMAC meeting actually occurs, we don't know what the hell they're going to do. So we got to wait. And I think that's what the markets are doing is that everybody's just sort of in a, in a holding pattern until the FOMAC actually meets. Now, real money, $20,108, sorry. 11,000 transactions being performed every hour on the hour with 2.5 million BTC changing hands in a 24-hour period. That's 104,593 Bitcoin every hour on the hour being sent. 9.34 BTC is the average transaction value. Median transaction value is 0.025 BTC, right at 500 bucks. Block times are still low, even though I didn't come to you Monday and Tuesday of this week. Eight minutes and 50 seconds. We have 0.074 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and just over 12 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. And with a 2.85% rise in hash rate, we're back up to 232 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin hovering around six United States pennies. Remember when it was 55 cents and you guys were still aping into it? Well, not you guys, but you know, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. How did that work out for you? This is why I don't believe people like Elon Musk. I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. And that fat ass, I probably couldn't throw him very far. Anyway, so there are 4,000. 146 transactions waiting on two blocks to clear. We have a $384.3 billion market capitalization. That's 3.39% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 11.7 ounces of that shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,137,560.92 of, and 4,614.5 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $92.7 million. And that's being run over 17,224 nodes, sporting 85,227 channels that we know about, and 71.3% of all that shit's being run over tours associated 12,309 nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin Magazine going to kick us off here with a report from Sean Amick. Iran greenlights Bitcoin crypto payments for imports as per a report. 
Iran has passed legislation establishing a legal framework for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Under the new law, cryptocurrency can be used as payment for imports to the country by government and local businesses. The law also addresses fuel supply and electrical consumption for Bitcoin mining. Iran passed the act, which enables the use of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency payments for imports through a comprehensive legal framework per a report from local news outlet Tasnim. According to the report, Iranian Minister of Industry, Mine and Trade, Reza Fatemi Amin, revealed that the recently passed law defines regulations on cryptocurrencies, addresses supply concerns for fuel and electricity costs for mining, and provides authorization for the administration to use cryptocurrencies. The minister reportedly reiterated the authorization was an agreement between the Ministry of Industry and the Central Bank, arguably suggesting a multi-departmental consensus on the viability of Bitcoin as a means for international payments. Additionally, he noted that local businesses will be able to import vehicles by using Bitcoin instead of the United States dollar or the euro. Tasnam highlighted the move uh, that the move comes on the heels of an August 9th announcement by the head of Iran's trade promotion organization saying that the country registered its first import order processed with cryptocurrency, and that order was reportedly valued over $10 million. Harkening back to May of last year, Iran previously banned the mining of Bitcoin, citing power grid concerns. Additionally, the Iranian central bank also banned the trading of cryptocurrencies mined outside of the country in the same month. The mining ban was lifted in October just to be reimposed by December of the same year, once again citing power grid concerns. Therefore, one could argue that Iran is taking this step towards comprehensive reform to take a firm and more long-standing stance on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, so the first time around, it appears that Iran really does. I don't know. I guess the easy way to say it is they don't know what they're doing. I think that the better way to state that is hardly anybody knows what they're doing. We're dealing with a brand new creature. It's a brand new organism. We don't know its physiology. We don't know its anatomy. We don't know its metabolism. We know nothing about this creature. We just have this overall morphology that we can look at and say, well, it's big. It doesn't seem to be able to be stopped by anything and therefore makes it really dangerous. But as to what sources of food, what what its waste products are, everything about this is a complete unknown. It is the discovery of a brand new animal. And, you know, honestly, humans don't deal with that very well. You know, sure, it's a brand new animal. We've discovered brand new animals before, you say? Well, of course we have. But we immediately know that it's an insect or it's a avian or it's a mammal or so. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, if it's a mammal, it's probably got 80% of that shit we already know. This thing we don't even, we, we don't, it, it doesn't fit into any classification. It's completely new. It's a new organism of which we can't say it's an insect or a mammal or avian or, or mollusk or anything. We no idea what this is. And so Iran took a stab at being able to, you know, say, here's this new animal. We got to put it into its pen. And the animal just said, fuck off and die. So they're going to try again. This is their second attempt. 
This is Iran's second attempt to get their hands around what this actually means. So it'll be interesting to see if they pull it off. But again, we'll have to actually see what they do. Uh, Moving on, Afghanistan. Uh, We got this one. Afghanistan shuts 16 crypto exchanges. It arrests the staff, according to a report. Afghanistan getting kind of pissed. Uh, Block Works has this one from Shalini Nagarajan, I think is how you pronounce it. Crypto became critical for some in Afghanistan following the Taliban takeover last year, but authorities are now coming down hard on the local scene, reportedly shuttering at least 16 crypto exchanges in the country's western Herat province. God, I didn't know there was that many there. The move comes three months after Afghanistan banned crypto trading in the country, noted local independent outlet Ariana on Wednesday. It didn't mention which crypto exchanges were affected by the closures. Syed Shah Sarat, head of the police's counter-crime unit, told reporters that the central bank banned crypto trading as the practice spawned issues and scams. Of course, <laughs> all people involved in the local crypto businesses were arrested and their shops were closed, he said. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Is the central bank the uh, commissioner of the police force or is the local city and province governments the commissioner of the police force? Who commissions the police force? It's becoming scathingly close that police forces are being commissioned more by central bank and economic authorities than they are by legislative executive and judicial authorities. And that should scare the living piss out of anybody listening to this. Let's move on. In June, Afghanistan's Taliban-led central bank reportedly banned online foreign exchange trading. A spokesperson told Bloomberg the bank considers forex trade illegal and fraudulent, and there is no instruction in Islamic law to approve it. End quote. It isn't clear whether cryptocurrency trade specifically fell under the remit of the ban. After the Taliban returned to power in Afghanistan, the financial situation of local people deteriorated as billions of dollars in foreign aid ceased and U.S. sanctions froze its foreign assets. The effects of the Taliban takeover rose... Wait, what? This is... Okay. Okay. This is a weird sentence, but I'm going to say it. The effect of the Taliban takeover rose local interest in cryptocurrencies, but sanctions made it difficult for residents to actually buy the digital assets. Google Trends data shows web searches for Bitcoin and crypto had risen just before the takeover. Afghanistan even entered the top 20 countries in Chainalysis's Global Crypto Adoption Index in 2021, which maps the prevalence of digital assets across the world. Many advocates, including U.S. Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Wally Adayomo, have suggested crypto payment rails present potential for overcoming the burdens of living in complicated situations. Quote, just imagine what a frictionless global digital payment system with appropriate controls, of course, for illicit finance could do for people in places like Afghanistan. If relatives abroad could easily send remittances, if NGOs could pay their staff halfway around the world with the click of a button on a smartphone, Adiomo said at Consensus 2022 earlier this year. Afghanistan Central Bank didn't return BlockWorks' request for comment by press time. 
Yeah, of course he said that at consensus. That's uh, that's the Ethereum bullshit shit show. Uh, gee, what if we had that? Well, we do. We've had it. We've had it for a long time. I can't imagine why you're spending your time imagining it instead of reading the fucking papers of what it actually does so that you don't have to imagine it anymore there, Wally. Gee, golly gee whiz, Wally. We already have that. Just saying, moving on. Dex accidentally hit kill switch on mainnet, locking 660,000 USDC inside. Gareth Jenkins tells us about this one from Cointelegraph. A decentralized cryptocurrency, D Options Exchange, cut its own life short after unwittingly executing a command that closed its mainnet program and made it irrecoverable. Whoopsies! Optify informed users that its platform had come to an unceremonious end after its development team tried to update its code on Monday. According to the decentralized exchange, the program incident also locked up some, you know, 660,000 USDC on chain. That's the USD coin. That's the other stable coin other than Tether. Optify has pledged to compensate user funds lost by the error, while a large bulk of the locked-up USDC was reportedly vested by one of its team members. Mm -hmm. The company has also urged other developers working on the Solana blockchain to be wary of the ramifications of the Solana program close command. Jeez. (laughs) Sounds like a freshman coding class. You're talking to your buddy. Hey, I just fucked up this program. Don't do this. Yeah, whatever, man. In a Medium post, the platform unpacked the series of unfortunate events that led to the sudden closure of the mainnet, and it began with an attempt to deploy an update to its Solana program code. The deployment took longer than usual due to what the team described as bad network status, and the command was canceled. However... A buffer address was created that received SOL the team member wanted to recover. That's the, I guess, the SOL token, right? In the past, the team managed to recover SOL or SOL from buffer accounts without using memory phrases by closing the program. The approach initially looked to have worked after executing the command as the team recovered the SOL, allowing them to attempt to deploy the program a second time. An error message was returned indicating that the program had been closed and could not be redeployed unless a new program ID was used. Discussions with the Solana Core developer confirmed that the team's fears that it would not be able to redeploy the program with its previous ID. Quote, here it turned out that we didn't really understand the impact and risk of this Closing program command line, Solana program close, is actually for closing the program permanently and sending the SOL tokens in the buffer account used by the program back to the recipient wallet, end quote. The Optify team has called for the Solana development community to explore two-step confirmation when running the Solana program close function and caution users of the result of using the command Jesus. This, this is why I Bitcoin. I I don't shitcoin because you never know when something, something stupid like this is going to happen. And it happens all the time. This, this has, this, this isn't like a one-off deal. 
This kind of shit's going, whether it's straight up scam or straight up incompetence or straight up inability for one of these blockchains or whatever to perform the function that people said that it could function with and can't, that this has been going on forever. And this is one of the reasons why I got out of any kind of shit coinery that I was into by the end of 2015. I got into Bitcoin in the end of the summer of 2015. So it took me all of, let's see, what was that? Uh, nine, like three months to figure it the fuck out. And I got out. I got out. Same year I got in, I got out. I didn't want to have anything to do with any of this stuff. Only Bitcoin made sense to me. <coughs> and only Bitcoin remains the, the, the thing that makes sense to me. I mean, Solana program closed. You, really, you, you had no idea what that, was, that that was going to irrevocably close that instance of the program and all of its memory associated with it, given the fact that you can't reopen it under its original ID. Think passphrase. I can, you can redeploy this program just fine, but you cannot redeploy it and recover everything that it knew. It's a fresh start. Like opening up a fresh wallet will not recover your coins from another wallet. If you open up a wallet with your passphrase, then it redeploys that wallet, that think passphrase when they talk about that they close this ID. Yeah they're never opening this wallet back up. And it's not a wallet, it's a whole program, but you see what I'm saying. How can you not know? How can you not know what was gonna happen? I am waiting to see what happens with the move to proof of stake and the whole Ethereum ecosystem. I, I'm, Really, I'm not worried, but I, I, I don't think it's going to go as smoothly as people think it's going to go. And I've, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what actually happens. But stay away from shit coins. This is why. HODL not. Nope. Nope. HODL not. No, this has nothing to do with HODL. Oh, not our friend from overseas that is going to be engaging uh, Craig Wright mid-September. No, this is HODL not has now been placed under creditor protection after freezing its withdrawals. Prashant Jha tell us, tells us about what I think is probably a rug pull from Cointelegraph. Singapore-based crypto lending firm HODL not was placed under interim judicial management, a form of creditor protection program by the Singaporean courts on Monday. The court orders came three weeks after they froze all trading activities and withdrawals on its platform, citing a liquidity crisis. In an official blog post on August the 30th, the crypto lending platform notified its users that E. Meng Yan Angela and Anan Lo Chi Li, care of EY corporate advisors, were appointed as interim judicial managers. And the blog post read, quote, the court has delivered judgment on the 29th of August, 2022, and has been confirmed that HODL not will be placed under interim judicial management, end quote. The crypto lenders sought judicial management to avoid forced liquidations in the bear market. The, the said creditor protection program under Singapore law allows financially troubled firms to rehabilitate themselves. Under this law, the court appoints an officer called the judicial manager who takes over 
the charge from the company's director for the time being. As Cointelegraph reported earlier this month, HODL not cut 80% of its workforce before applying for judicial management. The firm hopes to utilize the judicial management period to restore its assets to debt ratio back to one to one to allow users the ability to withdraw their initial cryptocurrency deposits. Yeah, that's never gonna happen. The crypto lender informed earlier that they were exploring the option to allow users to withdraw their initial deposits with interest accrued in full before closing their accounts, which is now subject to the approval by newly appointed judicial managers. Hololot is one among many crypto lending firms that fell prey to the crypto contagion caused by the downfall of the now defunct Terra USD Classic or USTC algorithmic stablecoin. The implosion of USTC led to the downfall of a $40 billion Terra ecosystem and many crypto lending firms with exposure to USTC fell eventually. And that's the end of the article, but I'm gonna, what the end of the article should have said is, and many more are to follow. We're not done with this contagion. And if you think that a new contagion won't be spun up in the next bull cycle, you're wrong. Lending is going to occur again. Why? Because two reasons. One, people refuse to learn from their mistakes. And two, people are greedy. And when you have those two things tied together in the psyche of a human brain, you're going to end up with contagion. It's going to happen. It's happened several times. It's happened this time. It will happen several more times. Nobody will learn their lesson. I guarantee you. And I said it last week. There are people already sitting around a table figuring out their marketing plan, figuring out their advertising schema, figuring out what shit coin they're going to use and figuring out how to pitch just slightly differently the idea of farming yield off of stupid shit. They're already doing it. They won't, they won't launch it until midway up, the next, uh, midway up the next bull, but they will. And there'll be probably twice as many firms that do it as, as did it this time. And then we'll get to the top and they will all be over leveraged as fuck and they will all fall down. And so will the price of Bitcoin because nobody ever learns their lesson. I'm just saying, as I usually do, I'm just saying. The near infinite boon, BIP 39, citadel21.com. It's a poem. Guess a number, motherfuckers, of the first Davos From one to all the atoms in one billion galaxies and guess anew for every soul that you intend to ruin. The hero cycle spun again. BIP 39's the boon. Each human soul can quote the words of their own culture's songs, repeat a bit the scripture of the faith to which they belong, recite a movie line, a poem, some Shakespeare and Sun Tzu, and each can cite some blatant lie told to their face by you. Of all the words each soul recalls the lyric and the lore, a list of words is rather small that numbers 24 yet represents an atom in one billion galaxies. The boon, a safeguarding each soul's life and property. The Bitcoin blockchain is the tree. Its network is the creek. The beastly belly, one's first dip that winnows out the week and will sit neath that axis tree to offer boon to all. Quote, your sword and shield 
24 words. Now watch their empire fall. Ooh, man, that actually sent some shivers up my spine. There's a part in this that if poetry is lost on most of us, me included, I'm not a poetry fan. I don't sit around and read Emily. What's her name? I, 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 I don't sit around and read Tennyson. Okay. I don't yet. Poetry is important for the humans to be able for us to get particular ideas boiled down to their very essence. And in this one, there is that essence. And I want to read it to you one more time. It's this one passage of all the words each soul recalls, the lyric and the lore. A list of words is rather small that numbers 24, yet represents an atom in one billion galaxies. A key safeguarding each soul's life and property. A list of words is rather small. That numbers 24 represents an atom in one billion galaxies. If you don't understand, if you're not getting it, one of the very first things that I had to wrap my head around was, even though it's just 24 words, the amount of combinations in BIP 39, the amount of words available in the BIP 39 library for combinations of a 24-word seed phrase is unlike any number that you can fathom. And yet it's just 24 words, okay? Now there's more, there's 24 words in combination that make the seed phrase. There are well, there are many more words that can be used for each one of those 24 word combinations, but still, I don't know, let's say it's like 300. In all you get, let's say, let's say 1,000 possible words and what, and at any given time, you're going to randomly generate 24 words that draw upon that thousand word library. And yet you will still never be able to wrap your head around the number of zeros that amount of combinations can actually make. It's like 1000, I think it's like 24 to the, th- uh, uh, to the thousandth exponent is what you have to solve to get the number of zeros. It's ridiculous. So that 24 words is like a moat of dust in a sea of galaxies. And it's really hard to wrap your head around it, but you must wrap your head around it. That's the key that secures your soul, your future, your money. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. My friend, he was kidnapped by mimes. They did unspeakable things to him. If you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Um, I've got, I'm pretty sure that I've got some boostograms here. Uh, But you know what? I'm going to start reading those at the front of the show. I think it's more fair to do it towards the front than at the very end, because you guys are sending me sats and I want your voices to be heard. Um, and a lot of times people don't listen to the end of any podcast, you know, much less mine. So I'm going to start, I need to start doing them up front. So I'm going to wait till uh, the next show, which hopefully will be tomorrow. But you got to understand my kids just started school today. My sister's coming into town. I'm in a new place. 
everything's weird. So bear with me as I'm still kind of in this transition. The move is completely over from Texas to Eastern Washington state. That part's done, but the settling in is going to take a while. So uh, bear with me uh, through these next few days. But if you do want to support the show, Boostograms on Podcasting 2.0 is definitely one way. Also, just streaming me straight up Satoshis because all of this stuff goes directly to my Lightning node. And I am so embarrassed about this. For podcasters that already have a podcast, podcasting the podcast index probably has your podcast listed in it. And if podcast index has your podcast listed in it, then it will be on a podcasting 2.0 app. Whether or not you choose to partake of that is up to you. When I chose to take uh, to partake of it, I had to submit my RSS feed over to podcast index along with my lightning node pub key and they made me a new RSS feed and that's the one that was dropped into podcast index. So I already had all the Satoshis that you guys were, have been sending me over the you know past year or so, uh, or well, past, I can't remember when I did it. Let's say eight months, eight months ago. They're, they've always been going to my lightning node. All right, so here's, here's where I'm embarrassed. Um, people were telling me, hey man, you gotta claim your podcast on Fountain, on, on the Fountain app, which is my favorite podcasting 2.0 app. 2.0 app. And I was like, okay, so I, you know, I, I went through the steps. And you already know where I'm fucking up, right? Okay, it's okay, it's okay. It returns an internal server error. And I'm like, God, I can't, I just, I can't figure this shit out. So I'm, my idiocy continues. I still don't see my mistake. And I write the guys (laughs) through email and I get an email back saying, "Uh, dude, you got an internal server error because you already have the value block instantiated in your RSS feed. And it's all these stats are already going to your, your, your own lightning node. And I'm like, Oh, and I immediately understood what was going on with the claim, your podcast. It appears that if you don't have a lightning node and you don't want to run the lightning node, or you don't know how, or, or you're just like, shit, I, I want, I want to take part of the boostograms, but I, I just want to see what it does. I don't know if I want to do a lightning node, then go get on fountain app search for your podcast and go through the process to claim your node. And if I remember right, you got to give them the uh, light, the not lightning. You have to give the, give them the email address that you used to set up your RSS feed, wherever it is that your podcast is hosted. Mine is at SoundCloud. So I had to use the email address associated with that SoundCloud RSS feed. And then they would, send me an email and that's where, where my part failed. Your part, if you don't have a value block embedded in your RSS feed, what Fountain appears to be doing is they're going to install the lightning address of the wallet that you use when you fire up Fountain app and like put in your, you know, like you sign up for Fountain app. And you put in your name and you put in all this and you put in all that and they verify your ass and all that kind of shit. And then you go to your podcast and you hit claim my podcast. And then they send you an email to the email address you use to set up the RSS feed, wherever the hell it may be. And then they refashion your RSS feed in when people listen to the fountain app, 
in podcasting 2.0, instead of going to your lightning node, which you don't have, it goes to the lightning wallet that fountain app provided you. And that's where I was fucking all this up and I wasn't seeing it. I've been in this game since 2015 and there are still simple things that I don't see. Now think about people that are just being told about Bitcoin today. Again, if you speak a foreign language, consider translating all of the pieces that have been written about Bitcoin into your native tongue and figure out a way to distribute it to friends, family, and people in your native country or that speak your native tongue that do not speak English so that they too can learn more about this and start their journey. I'm going to be on this journey for the rest of my life. And I'm going to still make bonehead mistakes like not understanding what the fuck Fountain App was actually trying to do when they said, claim your podcast. I already had claimed my podcast and I did it in the most brutal eight months ago kind of way. Fountain is just making it easier. No, you're not sovereign with that Fountain wallet. But I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to move those Satoshis over to your Lightning wallet under your control. And then you can figure out a way to go to Podcast Index, reset your or get your RSS feed in there and provide your own pub key. And I guess if you do that after you've claimed your app on Fountain, that that will go away and everything will be diverted to your node. You may want to ask the Fountain guys about this, but right now Fountain app is kicking ass. So get the Fountain app, use it as your daily driver. It's almost, I, I am almost having no issues with it. Used to have bugs over the last three weeks. I have had zero Count them, zero issues with Fountain App. So use the Fountain App. No, they're not a sponsor of the show, but I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.